It, it is no lie. Troy and I, um, our fondest memories of our marriage up to this point are spent in this home. And um, I'm a girl. I'm real good at it. So you're probably going to get some tears tonight. Um, we um, were married at the old building, which I don't know if anybody's here from Harney. Is anybody here from Harney? Okay, sure, yes, okay, see, I, I can't, I don't have my glasses on, I can't see. Um, and so we were married on 17th and Harney. We invited 150 people to the wedding and 250 showed up. And um, I had just come out of a church at that time. I was a children's pastor in another church in town. And so everybody thought it was free reign. And back then you didn't do meals, so why do an RSVP card, right? And so Pastor Mulkey took all of the children out of the sanctuary and uh, put adults in those seats and... Then he sat the children on either side of the aisle, and I'm walking through my dresses, popping them in the face like this. And so, anyway, our fondest memories are, are built in this house, from um, becoming a married couple to thinking, what in the world did I just do? I married this guy I don't even know. I mean, I know it's God's will, but I don't really like him a lot right now. And it's truth. You know it is. And um, after eight years of marriage... This is like not even on my plan here. After eight years of marriage, I submitted to the Lord and said, okay, he knows what he's doing. And um, on our 10th anniversary, Pastor Mulkey, Pastor Grace brought us up here and said, well, it's 10 wonderful years. And I looked at Troy and I said, it's been the best two years of my life. And... And it's true. We uh, we grew up here. We cut our ministry teeth here. My husband cut his ministry teeth here. I'd already worked in another church. And so I just got to sharpen them a little bit. And then as soon as we were really, you know, had our babies, we were good. And then God called us away. And it was the, the hardest ripping and tearing on days that still is awful. But I know that God has called us to Idaho. It's a beautiful place. We live in a resort town. And everybody who's retiring seems to think they need to move there. So come visit, stay in my home, I will make you dinner. You'll probably have to clean up after yourself, but you are welcome anytime. Um, so that a little bit about me. Grace already told you about our boys. We have um, a 20, well, a good gravy. Ethan will be, um, remember Ethan when we left, he was eight years old. Yeah, he will be 20 in a week and a half. And um, <clears throat> Eli, he's 18. We're going to talk about some surprises with him here in a few minutes. And uh, then, then my, my daughter, Eden, our, our little gift. Um, I remember, this is just really, I'm just so home. I'm just going to be comfortable. I am not going to filter what's coming out of this. So I remember when I found out I was, and I don't know if you know this. I, I remember when I found out I was pregnant with um, with Eden. We were sitting at the kitchen table, and I told Troy, and I'm, I'm bawling. Like, what? How'd that happen? And, yeah. And um, so I'm bawling, and and Troy looks at me, and he said, well, well, you know, we're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I said, yeah, I'm done. He goes, well, what if it's not a girl? I said, I don't care if it's a dog. I'm done. <laughs> and luckily enough, we had little Eden Hope who was born, and uh, she is a, a girl coming into her own. She's probably going to not talk to me on the way home tonight, but um, Eden took about four piano lessons, and some things happened. You know, you guys know Bonnie and Chris, and so some things happened in Coeur d'Alene that um, has, had affected our congregation quite a bit. There was a shooting in Coeur d'Alene, which does not happen in our town, and it affected many people. And um, you can continue to pray for Bonnie, because what happened is that she was very close to the shooting, and it kind of sent her back. Not in a bad way, but in a healthy way. And so we pulled her off the piano because she was playing piano. And so she could have a time to heal. 
Because just because you have a talent and a gift does not mean that God wants you to exercise it all the time. Sometimes you get to sit and heal for a while. And Bonnie graciously is in church every Sunday, raising her hands and praising God and receiving the healing she needs from so many things that have happened. But as a result of that, Eden, with four piano lessons under her belt, is now our main piano player at the church. Let's give him praise. She, um, as, as when I was pregnant with her, I knew the Lord had called her to be a, a worship leader. She was my worship leader, but we never put that onto our kids because we want them to discover that on their own. So she's our main piano player. She um, has a microphone right here singing, and you can hear her do that sometimes if she's got it too wrong. Um, but she's 16. So pray for her because that is a heavy load for a 16-year-old girl to uh, be a junior in high school with nearly straight A's. Of course she does. Um, she takes piano lessons. She takes voice lessons from Christina. All of this is done in a week, and she has a job, and she's honoring to her brothers and her mom and her dad. And so that is a rare commodity to have, so I, I honor you for that. Even if you don't want to hear me say the things I say to you, I honor you for that. So, yeah, continue to pray for her. So, okay, I'm done. So, anyway, that's a little bit about myself. Um, I'm going to read to you a very familiar scripture tonight, a very familiar passage. And some of you, um, if you've ever gotten the opportunity to, to speak before, um, you will know what I'm going to say is true. About two minutes before you go up to deliver your message, the enemy starts lying to you. And says, this isn't the right word. This isn't this. This They don't need that. Why are you going to say that? Well, maybe you should get that out. No. The Lord gave me this word for this congregation tonight. And um, I'm going to deliver it to you. And I'm going to know that God is going to do good things through this word. Amen? Amen. So a very familiar passage. It's in the book of John, if you want to follow along with me. We are going to read quite a bit of it. So just bear with me. A Samaritan woman. Where did we go? Oh, the other thing, my eye doctor told me I need bifocals. I told him no, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees has heard, had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples did, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob's son gave to, that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, doesn't it give you hope that Jesus was tired? I'm tired. Nobody else is tired in here? Okay. Y'all lying to me. Sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask for ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. I love how he speaks hope to her the whole time. She has no clue who he is. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. 
And Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to her, to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on the mountainside, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Verse 27. And at that point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with the woman. Not only that he talked to the woman, yet no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you that your word is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It changes us going in, and it changes us coming out. Father, I ask that as you open up my eyes tonight, and you open up my heart to receive your word, God, I ask you to do the same for my sisters. Lord, may we leave this place tonight different than when we came in. Holy Spirit, you have our permission. You have our permission to come in and till up the hard ground and to plant the new flower and the new hope. You have our permission to bring correction where correction is due, to bring hope where hope is due, and healing where healing is due. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. And all God's girls said, amen. I wanted to talk to you because the word that the Lord gave me for people's church is interruptions. And um, interruptions are not my favorite thing. Um, it is my most annoying thing. I have a very exuberant husband who likes to tell all of my stories. And you're laughing because if you know him, you know him. And um, I cannot stand being interrupted. It is not my favorite thing to do. But I do tend to do it myself. But when I do it, it's okay. But when he does it, it's not okay. Because what I have to say is very important, right? There you go. So Grace mentioned to you a little bit that I, I work for the county. I work for Kootenai County for... Um, couple years, three years, I worked in the jail. I worked hand-on-hand. My job in the jail was to put warrants in the system. So um, a very easy way to describe it is if you've seen it on America's Most Wanted, it's because of what I did. Now, two and a half years into that job that I love very much, the Lord interrupted me. He said, you don't believe the best in people anymore, and this is not who I made you to be. So I resisted, and I stayed in the warrants office because that's what good Christians do. We don't listen to Jesus the first time. And... Uh, then my, my dad died in January of 17, and I knew my dad never wanted me in there. So I thought, okay, this is a good time. I'll finally listen. So I jumped ship, and I went on the same campus. I work in the sheriff's office now, the administration side. So now instead of watching people go to jail, I get to read all the gruesome details of what they did. Yeah, it's, yeah, Lord, clean my eyes every day. Clean my eyes, clean my ears. I don't want to think of people like that. So I'm in the I'm in the records office now. My huge, but the biggest part of my job is coding police reports. Somebody, oh, I don't know, Bill gets a speeding ticket or something, then I code that and I take care of that. Um, 
But the other part of it is NCIC. NCIC is the National Crime Institute Center or something. I don't even know what the acronym is. But uh, a missing person. Somebody comes up, my granddaughter's missing, hands me paper. I have two hours to get that in the system. There's laws in place to protect these children. Um, somebody steals your car. That's my job to get that in the system. No matter what I'm doing in my day, no matter how many reports I have, no matter how many potlucks are going on in the building, that is my job. I don't have an opportunity. That is my only interruption, and that is the most important thing to me at that point. So we all get interrupted during our day all the time. And we get the nasty interruptions, right? We get the interruptions of, um, uh, we, we get the interruptions of, he did it again. Can I forgive him this time? We get the interruptions of our, our kids breaking our heart because of choices that they've made. Um, losing a job. All the things that no one wants to do. But then there's the good interruptions. There's the, the times when, um, when, uh, our kids, I love our kids, and I will always tell you, and I believe it in my heart, that their worst days are better than most kids' best days. And um, my husband and I, we like to, when we do have time, we will lay in bed and watch British baking shows. Don't tell him I told you, but he loves British baking shows. I know. He likes how they, whatever the name of sugar is, I don't know, and I'm like, you know, I'm 8.30 and I'm bedtime. But the kids come in one by one after day, and five minutes we pause the TV, how's your day, how are you doing? Oh, and here's another one, oh, how you doing? Sometimes they all jump on the bed, and that makes me even happier, because someday they're going to leave me, and I'm the smother. They call me the smother for a reason. And um, so those interruptions are good. And then in uh, August of 18, my son Eli brings this girl home. No, that's another thing brings this girl home and sits at the bonfire with us. And I thought, who are you and why are you invading my space with my son? And uh, she left that night and Troy said, we just met our daughter-in-law. And I said, you're crazy. They're your children. They're 17. And a year later, August 5th, he asked her to marry him. And um, so we told him he had to be 18 in order to ask her because those are adult decisions. So he um, turned 18 in July, and he asked her to marry him in August of that year. And last year, uh, we're having a we're having a hitch in this year, and um, and uh, that was a good interruption. It was not a, an interruption I was ready for, nor do I think I'm ready quite yet for it. But she's a dolly, and I hope you can meet her. I, Grace has gotten the opportunity to meet her. She is absolutely everything my son needs. He is a boy who needs to be taken care of. Okay, he does laundry. He knows how. True story. Eli, can you go put the wet clothes into the dryer and start the load of laundry? Sure. Wet clothes into the dryer starts the load of laundry. I go to switch the clothes. The clothes in the dryer are so wet, he never turned it on. Well, you didn't tell me to turn it on. Do you need to be told to turn the dryer on? Clearly he does. So Dinah is very, very good for him. Those are the interruptions that are good, but interruptions bother us because they interrupt our plans in life, right? They interrupt our plans. The woman at the well had a purpose. Her purpose was to draw water. It was interrupted during her normal day. You're going to the store. You get a ticket. That could be your fault, could not be your fault, but it's an interruption nonetheless. One thing I know... um, Interruptions bring change and they bring transformation to us. When Eli brought Dinah home and then he told us three weeks later, I'm thinking of marrying this girl. And uh, truth, can, I'm, just, I'm just a little rabbit trail. Christina came and spoke to our church a couple years ago, last year I think it was. And he's sitting in the, the, in the sanctuary and he's like, Lord, if you want me to marry her, I want to marry her. But you got to tell me yes or no. Chris is in the middle of her message. He goes, yes. Goes on with her message. That was it. <laughs> She has no idea, no no idea. It was just a rainbow word to him. And so that night he's like, I'm marrying this girl, but it's not about her. Okay, someday it will be because then she's going to give me grandbabies. 
Hmm, sorry about that. Interruptions bring change, but they bring transformation as well. Um, Jesus cares more about our transformation than our daily comfort. And that's really hard because a lot of the interruptions that we go through that we don't want to talk about are the ones that hurt the most. And we don't want to deal with them, but we know that they're changing us and we know that we need to go through that. They rarely coincide with our plans. They rarely coincide with what we want to do. And uh, they rarely go along with, with the goals that we have in life. Um, but my youth pastor used to tell me that if I, uh, if I want to make God laugh to tell him my plans, then he'll shake that all up. Right? When I get interruptions in my life, the good ones, I guess, go, go with the flow like presents. I love presents. I'm pretty deep as a puddle that way. You can buy me anything. I would be so happy to receive it, but I never give gifts. I'm a horrible gift giver, but I love to receive those kinds of things, right? But when I get the negative interruptions, I stomp my feet like a three-year-old little girl. It's not my turn. Hmm. I'm not going to do it. You can't make me do it. And then God's like, don't be a child. I'm doing this for your good. The interruptions always take me off of guard, but they never take God off of guard. They never do because they know that the things that are going to happen from that interruption and the people that are going to be affected by that interruption, how amazing that's going to be. And a lot of us in this room are in the middle of an interruption right now where you're like, this is not going to be good and it's not going to turn out good because in essence, God, I think you lied to me. But God doesn't lie to us. It's the people that uh, that fail us that lie to us, Right. I believe the interruptions are uh, not meaningless in random events. I believe they're God's divine plan. Um, I never wanted to leave 12 years ago. I was just as fine and just as happy to retire here. And, uh, and work in the job I had and my husband work here, I was just as fine. But Grace got to meet the people that came into our life. There was a couple that was with us this weekend that moved out of here from Ohio because their church was so awful to them. They... um she would go to church and they would look at her and then that's it. And she was there for 15 years and the church finally, in essence, said, we don't want you here. You need to just leave. So they spun a globe, Coeur lane. That is not a meaningless interruption. That is a God-given interruption. They're amazing people. The second thing I want to pull out of this for us is verse 9. It says, uh, the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And I love this because she didn't have a clue who interrupted her. She didn't know the voice of the person who interrupted her. Not only was she interrupted during her normal day, her normal routine, she had no clue who was talking to her. And how often do we do that? How often do we dismiss the common and the familiar? He's just a Jew. He's just a guy. I mean, it's just my kids. What can they say of any value to me? Are you kidding me? I've got brilliant children. And it's not because they, it's not because of anything they do, but because of who they are. And the fact, I mean, they are wise beyond their years. And the things they say to me sometimes just rip me inside and say, okay, the Lord's like, I'm talking to you. Listen to her. I'm talking to you, listen to him. But I push it off and I brush it off because it's my kid and how can they do that to me? The one that really struck me funny when I was preparing this message and a little bit guilt-ridden is because I married my pastor. So I sit on the front row every Sunday and I take notes and I let it slough off. I'm taking into account. Why would I? He's my husband. He's my pastor. I hear him all the time. Every Sunday I hear the same thing he says. Every Sunday I hear this. But believe me, when you know my my husband prays over his message and over our congregation every week, 
hours and hours and hours. And the message that he gives us is a message straight from the Lord. And I am guilty of ignoring that because it's common and it's familiar to me. And I wonder how many things, how many big things do we miss out on because we ignore the little things? What is it that our leaders are talking to us about? What are they saying to us? What is what is my superintendent saying to me? What is my friend Gray saying to me over the phone, over a text? What is it that is so common and familiar that we just brush it off and say, oh, it's just normal, it's okay, not a big deal. But we have to realize that our common and everyday and familiar things are used as opportunities for us to grow. And that could be your coworkers. I have coworkers that are just as far from Christ as Alabama is from here. But God will use them to say something to me. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm holy. I don't need anybody who's a sinner to speak to me. No. Mm-mm. He used a donkey. He can use a sinner. And that's how it is, right? But those common everyday things, they're predictable. They're constant. We need that in our life because we have this. We do this all the time, right? And you know what's really funny to me? And it's not that way at this church. I know that because I've, I've fellowshiped in this church. But we can have a midweek service at home, maybe pull 20 people. But you bring in a guest speaker, there's 50 people in that sanctuary. But what about the value of the man who speaks every Sunday to me? That was a real hard one for me to, to realize. And I, I realized that, you know, she didn't have a clue who she spoke to because she didn't know his voice. And if we want to know the voice of the Lord, we have to be in the Word. We have to be doing our Bible studies. I have my, um, I, my phone, I have my YouTube, YouVersion Bible app. Do you guys use YouVersion Bible app at all? Okay. Yeah, you should. If you don't have it, it's right on your phones. You can do, um, devotionals with girlfriends from across. The, I'm doing a, uh, read the Bible in 365 days with one person I know and four people I don't know. I've never met them before, but I'm gleaning from them. And it's just something I could do during my lunchtime. I'm trying to get the word in me as much as I can because I don't want to have my reaction not be a faith reaction. Troy always says that often my first reaction is not a faith reaction. And I don't want to be that girl. I want to be the girl that can be a steadfast, I want to hear his voice, I want to know what he's saying, and I want to react appropriately rather than the three-year-old little girl that I tend to react like. If we want to hear his voice, we want to know his voice, we have to be in worship and prayer. And we all know this. I am not telling you anything that we don't know, but I think sometimes we need to be reminded of that, that uh, the music is amazing. Do you realize how good of a woman you have on this piano? Do you really? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Do you realize? I mean, I am so honored to be here. I uh, to be in your presence, Grace. No, uh, to be in your presence, the presence of greatness and strength. You are common and familiar to a lot, but to me, you are one of the best interruptions that happened in my life. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. The common and the familiar. Do we pass up the common and familiar? Because they're always there until someday they're not. And then you're like, what did I miss from that? We need to be in our worship and our prayer. We need to be studying and, and we need to be in church. It's simple. It's the nuts and bolts of Christianity. Being in church is really good for me as an individual. I like going to church. I need to be in church. I will admit when my babies were little that I went to church on Sunday mornings because I could put them in the nursery and be away. I did. I did. I had babies very close together. But being in church is so vital because my faith is going to grow because of your faith. And I'm going to learn from your struggles. There are ladies in this room that I have watched them walk through struggles with their children and tragedy with their children that had prepared me for the years ahead that I had with my kids. Okay? One thing I know is that when we know the presence of God... It is easier to walk through life. Amen? So often, well, like I said, Troy will always, or doesn't always say, but he usually says, 
Often my first reaction is not my faith reaction. We go from tragedy hit, what am I going to do? My life is over. This is terrible. i got to call grace. Oh, wait, pastor said this, and oh, wait, oh, but, but God is here, and it's going to be okay. When you practice the presence of God, you don't have to go through all those steps. You get to go, tragedy, Jesus, tragedy, Jesus. It's so much easier. It's so much better. But you don't get to be there if you're counting on one person a Sunday a week to feed you. It's not my, and I remember telling Troy, he, he said, he said, honey, it is not my job to feed you. It is your job to feed you. You come and you, you rally the flock. Okay, honey, I'll do that. And, and that's the same with all of us. Every one of us in this room are ministers in that. What I love about this passage, Jesus was persistent with this woman. He was persistent. She's like, you have nothing to draw water with. Totally practical, right? Like, I am the practical girl in my house. We can't do this because we have to have this. What do you have to draw water with? He continued to love her. Then she goes on, I perceive you are a prophet. Oh, really? It took you that long, right? Continued to speak life to her. And then she's like, verse 25, Messiah is coming. She knew there was a hope. She just didn't know who she was listening to. I think often we all know that there's a hope, but we just don't know who we should be listening to. And, you know, on a side note, um, it's important to know the voice of God, obviously. I mean, when you when you go through tragedy, and I don't know if Grace has told you a story of our babies, but we went through tragedy with our boys. We It is miracles that they are with us today. I see Donnie nodding because she remembers. She remembers those dark days when we almost lost our boys. But my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And as much as I need to know the voice of Jesus, I need to know the voice of the enemy. The enemy that tells me, you're not going to make it. You're never going to be a size 12 again. You're never going to do it. You're never going to succeed. Your husband's never going to love you. You have to know the voice of the enemy and call him what it is. Shut up. I'm not listening to you. I'm not going to listen to it because it is not worth my time to believe the lies of something that is not true. I have too many people in my life that I can affect, too many people that I need to tell them how amazing and wonderful and valuable they are. I hope I'm not being too harsh. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Verse verse 28, I love this part. The third thing I want to pull out of this is uh, verse 28 when she says, i got to get on the right page. Sorry, I'm not licking my fingers. Coronavirus, you know. Sorry. I know. See, I did it again. Stop looking at me. Verse 28 says, the woman then left her, the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, to the influential people, not to people that she can grumble with, but people who actually know what's going on, and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. She left her water pot. That was her only purpose in life. She had five husbands, and the one she was with now wasn't even her husband. She had no value in people's eyes. The only thing she could do is work hard for somebody else. She left her water pot. And uh, I, I wonder I wonder if, if God, because Jesus, God is amazing, right? He can do anything he wants. Jesus could have taken that five situation away. He could have plucked her and plopped her. He could have done that. He, she didn't have to go through all of those husbands and that man and all the struggle and the going in the middle of the day and hiding from the other women who backbite all the time. He didn't have to let her go through that, but he chose to let her go through that. Jesus could have protected Troy and I from some very deep wounds that we have incurred in the last 12 years. He could have. Jesus could have taken your interruption 
and made it go gone. But he doesn't. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. But I wonder if, if he would have done that for that woman, should, would she have really realized her need of him at that point? He explained over and over again, I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. She never got it until she got it. And sometimes we have to hear the same thing over and over and over again. I know that if, that if Troy and I would have been protected from the, um, I won't say wounds, but I'm daggers. The daggers that were stabbed in us and have been in the last 12 years. If God would have protected us from that, would I have, um, really learned to love people the way I do? Probably not. Because, Hurting people hurt people. And these people are very, very hurting, and they continue to hurt today. And um, I don't know that I would recognize my need of Christ as much if I had not been allowed to go through those things. Do I want to go through that again? No. Do I, do I want to have the interruptions again? No. Am I going to? Yeah. I'm not in heaven yet. It's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Rather than give us a life of ease, Jesus interrupts our lives and shows us what we need most. We need him. This woman, all she had to do was get water. She had no idea that she left her own purpose for the purpose of Christ. Who did she go to? To the influential people. What did they do? They listened. Not because she was an honored citizen. She, they listened to her because she was speaking truth. Um, I, was, I wasn't going to tell this story, but I'm going to. Um, I... Um, there's a really important song in my life that I'm going to have Mike play for us in a little bit. Not quite yet. But um, it is a very important story or a song in my life because it, it changed my life. And um, I'm apprehensive to tell you too much because it's really not my story. It's my son's story. And this is where the tissues come in. Um, our children have all been raised in the church. They, um, they are amazing. We love our kids. Eli, he was seven, six, six, seven, seven when we left, I think. I don't know. Yeah, he was, he was six when we left. Always been straight and narrow. I'm going to go in the Army. That's what I'm going to do. A couple years ago, comes in and knocks on our door, 1115. Mom, Dad, got to tell you something. What, honey? I've been running from God all my life. I'm not supposed to be in the army, and I know it. I just want to make money. He said, I'm supposed to be a pastor, and I'm sorry I've lied to you. Okay, so he walks out. Never would have picked him to be in ministry. He was never the one that I thought. Eden, when she was born, she's in my tummy. I know that the Lord told me she's, my, she's your worshiper. She's a worship leader. God has made her wise beyond her years, and if you spend more than two minutes with her, you will be filled. She, um, she walks in shoes that are bigger than hers. She walks with grace in those shoes, and she loves deeply. And sometimes that's really hard for a pastor's kid because they get hurt twice as much as mom and dad do. And then there's my Ethan. Now, Ethan, when I was pregnant with him, um, he was so big. He was 10 pounds, 4 ounces when he was born. I, um, I couldn't touch my fingers out here. Because I have no waist, and I couldn't, t- he was so, I look fine from the side, and then I go, whoa, you know, I'm just big. And then, uh, when he was born, he, he, he's a magnetic personality. He is bigger than life. If you know him, you know this. Um, he is, he has, the Lord told us when he was born, he has a huge amount of charisma, but the boy's gotta have some character. So we started praying, God, give him character, give him character, give him character, give him character. And he was doing really good, and then high school came, 
because he's 6'1", and he's a very handsome boy, takes after my side of the family. <laughs> he does. He looks just like my dad and my brothers. Um, a very handsome boy, and he's, and he's a strong kid. He's probably six foot six one. I mean, he's, yeah, he's just a great kid. And, um, he tried it for football and surprise, surprise, made it on varsity football as a sophomore, I think. And, uh, well, football wasn't enough, so then he got varsity wrestling, and, you know, now I'm all big beef, and I can eat eggs and chicken, and, like, you don't eat it. Okay, true story, he was in wrestling, he was trying to make weight, and, um, he's real pretty. Um, he took a chicken breast and stood on the scale. Oh, okay. Took a bag of Doritos, stood on the scale. Oh, the Doritos weigh less, I'll eat that. Yeah. Not even kidding you. He thought that's how it worked. Megan, you're looking at me like, what? No, it's true. That's not, that's how it worked. That's what he did. And so um, he made varsity wrestling. So with varsity wrestling and varsity football, do you know what that means? Girls. Everywhere. Tall, handsome, strapping young lad he is. Um, And uh, popularity for Ethan brought problems. They brought challenges like most teenage boys and teenage girls and uh, being raised in a pastor's home and and uh, working for the sheriff and knowing that every sheriff's car that is four blocks from your school, because their mother's very strategic, um, knows who you are and what car you drive, um, put a little pressure on the boy. And uh, so he, he decided to, to be a teenager and be real good at it. And I don't need to go into details with that, but then in 2017, my dad died. And Ethan just plummeted. He loved his papa, probably because they have the same ears. Um, but he loved his papa very much. And um, we parented him the best way we knew how. So mamas, you're doing the best you can with what you know until God tells you different. And we parented him as, as good as we could. And it seemed to do nothing but push him farther and farther away. And um, in our house, if you live in our home, whether you are 25 or 15, you go to church. It is not an option. I don't care if you sit on the front row and doodle on your bulletin, you're in church. And so he came to church because he had to come to church, not because he darn well wanted to be there, but he did. And then uh, 2018 came, and it was his senior year, and and it didn't get any better. And I thought, but God, you said this one is ministry. I remember getting pushed down the, the hallway, what then was Southwest, holding him, and the Lord saying, this one is mine. I thought, okay, you can have him. Then a year later, he almost dies on us. That's fun. Um, we get him through that, and then his senior year comes, and girls are really important, and football's real important, and wrestling's really important. And bought him a smartphone because he thought I was a good mom. No, I just wanted to know where his button was all the time. That's why we did that, because those aren't necessarily terrible things. In um, 2018, he met this beautiful little girl, young woman, I'll say. And, um, and you know, girls are so much closer than Jesus are, you know. And um, so he was going to marry her, and he loved her. And, and we just, the best thing we needed to do was we invited that girl into our home. And we had her at every family dinner we could. And we smothered her with love. And we cared for her and cared for her and cared for her. And um, because we know if you tell your kids they can't have something, that's exactly what they're going to go for. Because I learned that because ladies in this house taught me that when my kids were little. And uh, so that was in 2018. We, um, one of the things that I do in Idaho is I, I organize a senior pastor's wives retreat. And we meet every couple of years. We go overnight for a couple nights and we just kind of spend time together and pray together and laugh together and have fun. And I told the ladies this night, I said, um, this is our oldest son. This is what he's doing. And this girl is not God's girl for her, for him. 
And, uh, and I know deep down he knows it, but I need you to help. So they just prayed over me. It was a Friday night. By Sunday night, he was on our couch crying like a three-year-old child because she had broken up with him. And inside, I'm like, yes! But my boy is dying on the couch because the girl broke his heart. And we thought maybe that would get better. And he would come back into the fold. And he didn't. And um, so 2019 comes around, and, and he's working in loss prevention. And my friend, one, a guy in our church actually owns a loss prevention company. And um, so he hires him. He does loss prevention at Goodwill. And he's going to be a cop now because mom works for the cops. And, and mom mom likes this. And mom carries heat. You know, she's got a gun. And blah, I don't want to do that. And, so he goes and works for Goodwill. And that summer, mind you, we are still trying to parent this child that we don't even know who he is. In a matter of months, he is from this sweet, amazing, strong, deep water running child to this shallow man. Who are you? You are, who, who is this in my home? And we continue to try to parent him through that. And that's harder to parent a 19 year old than it is a 17 or 16 year old. And then that summer, the Lord chastised me. I'm laying in bed and I'm angry and I'm like, ah, and I'm praying and God, you need to do this, you need to do that. And he said, you need to treat him like a congregant member and not your son because he's not yours anyway. And I thought, well, that's not very nice. <laughs> I, I have the scar from it. I remember I'm the one who was there. And he said, I was too. So it was that night, it was like, the Lord is so good to me. Ever since I've become a Christian, I can just go from, this is my life is terrible, oh, God said this. It was like way with tithing. Why do I need to tithe, Pastor Jack? Because the Bible says, okay, that's what I do. It's just not even a question in my mind. When the Lord speaks, I have this ability to just do it, which is amazing. I just wish I'd listen a lot quicker than I do. So he tells me that I need to treat him like God's kid and not my kid. And that was in the summer of 19. And um, so then we had a guest speaker come to our church. I think it was in September of last year. And um, Ethan had to work, so he didn't come to the evening sessions. But the boy is addicted to sugar. Like, no one you will ever know. He's going to see that basket, and if there's sugar in there, it's going to be gone before we get on the road to Idaho tomorrow. True story. He loves it. He will eat Pop-Tarts for dinner every night if he could. And I don't care because I don't... Yeah, I don't cook for him anymore. But we thought, this is his last night in town. Ethan, you're on your way home from work. We're going to go out to pie. Why don't you meet us for pie? And I'm thinking, if I can just get him in the presence of somebody, maybe that'll happen. Maybe. So we're sitting at Sherry's in Coeur d'Alene, and Ethan's sitting here. All, he, we call it Gilligan. He does Gilligan. He acts all stupid and cute, and he, and he gets away with it. He's doing his Gilligan thing. And this man doesn't know Ethan has never met him. We've never told our kids his stories. It's it's their business, except this story, don't tell them. It's their business to tell their stories and their struggles. And he's talking to Troy. This man's talking to Troy. He looks at Ethan. He goes, what do you want to be when you grow up? He goes, I know you're doing this loss prevention thing, but what do you want to be? He goes, I'm going to be a cop. You mean a cop, really? It's like straight up, you just want to be a cop. Yeah, I want to be a cop. Oh, Okay. Turns and looks at Troy. And you could just feel Ethan go, ah, I made it through another one. A few minutes go by. This guy looks at Ethan. He says, you want to be a cop, huh? Yeah, I'm going to be a cop. He goes, then what are you going to do with the preacher inside of you? And Ethan goes, I, I've never heard that before. He goes, you've never heard that? He goes, okay, I've heard it all my life. 
And he looks at Ethan and he reads his mail, just as gentle as God could be and as strong as God can be. And he says, people don't listen to you, do they? And he said, no, they don't. And at this point, Ethan's like, I'm not even going to fight anymore because you you know. And I'm just going, I don't want to cry. I don't want to cry. And um, he says, people don't listen to you, do they? And he said, no. He goes, you know why they don't listen to you? No. He goes, because you have nothing of value to say to them. And he said, but when you let that preacher wake up, they'll start listening. Turns his face away from Ethan. (laughs) This whole banter goes back and forth and back and forth. I finally left at like 11. They were in Sherry's until 2 in the morning. As God is my witness, my child came home a different man that night. Because a question was asked. This song that I'm going to have Michael play for us is a song that in 2018, um, I think actually Christina sang it. We went to a women's conference in Puyallup, and Christina, as tender and amazing as she is, sings this song, and I thought, God, that is me. That is me. I need rescued. But I'm not real good at being rescued. Okay, I'm good at being rescued. I'm not good at asking for help. That's the truth. I need to learn they gave you a white flag. I want you to remember to take that home. I need to remember to raise my white flag and say, God, I surrender, but I'm not good at that. I'm terrible at that. I'm a self-made girl. I don't need people. I was raised with five brothers. I, I, I could probably take the garbage out myself. But that's not what God wants me to do. God has taught me over the years to be dependent on people, to need people, because the thing is, is that if I don't need you, then I don't have to get close to you. And if I don't have to get close to you, then I don't have to be vulnerable to you. And if I don't have to be vulnerable, then I don't get to be healed. But God has stripped me of so many things in these last years. And when we were going through all of this with Ethan, it was an interruption I didn't want. It was a good three and a half years of my life that I literally every night feared, where is my son and am I going to find him tonight? All the while, doing God's work, wondering why have you failed me? But it wasn't my Jesus that failed me. It was my 16-year-old, 17-year-old, 18-year-old who was created with a will and God could have taken him and protected him, but he chose to let him know the need he had in him. Ethan did not know. He was just coming to get pie. She was just going to get water. He didn't know the man across the table from him. He had no idea. And his life changed because of a question. My question tonight is, what what is your interruption? What is it that you're facing? You're thinking, I can't do this because I'm trying to figure out all these things. And and if they find out that I'm struggling, oh, that's just going to ruin everything because I'm strong. I need to be in the front. I'm I'm an important person. I have to do this. I have to make the sandwiches. What is it? What is the interruption? I have um, felt very lonely many times in these last 12 years and very lonely in a crowded room of people. And I know you know what that means. But the good thing is that God never left me. God never left my boy. Just because Eden and Eli never strayed from the fold does not mean that they, he loves them any more than he loves my Ethan. My Ethan right now is working. Oh, so that was September. 
So October, Darren and Mariah Curl come to our church. I've never met them before. March of last year, let me back up a little bit. March of last year, they were at the retreat that we went to this weekend. And the Lord pressed upon our heart to give them $100. Okay, we're pastors. We don't have any money. Okay, that $100 most likely was grocery money. But we're going to be obedient because we know what it's like to not be obedient. So we give them $100. Bless you. That's it. Darren and Mariah come to our church in um, October. And um, Ethan's life, at this point, he has turned off his Snapchat. He has realized one person in his friends list is the only person who's contacted him. It's a Christian from high school that he pushed away. And um, and he has, he's floundering. He's like, I need to do something. We know that when you find Jesus or when you turn your life back, you better figure out what you're doing because it's real easy to pull back into the world. Darren and Mariah come, and they're talking about Guatemala. And um, Troy wants to take a team to Guatemala this year. We're going in August. They're going. I'm staying home. Um, but Ethan fell in love with handsome Darren Curl and Mariah, and they loved my boy. He's in the process right now of raising money, and he's moving to South America in two months. God got a hold of him and plucked him. We go to this minister's retreat this weekend, and there's a man from Malta who is speaking. Fantastic guy. And Ethan and I walked out. Ethan never knew we gave Darren and Mariah money. Ethan and I walked out, and he goes, Mom, I pulled $100 out of the bank, and I wasn't sure what it's for, but I think I'm supposed to give it to that missionary. But this is fun to watch. <laughs> so he goes up and gives us money to this missionary. And Ethan says, I want to give this to you because I think God has called me to be a missionary, but I don't know what to do and I don't know how to do it, but I know you do and I want to take care of you and I help you. I'm real good at being rescued. I don't want to be rescued anymore. I want to be able to raise my flag and say, I surrender, I surrender. But so often we don't do that. You see, interruptions can be a small thing that turn into a really big thing. Or it can be a really big interruption that really is just a very small thing. Um, Grace, thank you for letting me speak with your ladies that you love so well. Thank you for um, for all all of the uh, interventions and interruptions you hold for all of us. She's still my first prayer partner. If I can pray for you, I'm going to pray to bless our night, but if I can pray for you, please let me. Um, I know that... Um, Every little interruption is important, and I understand that, and I don't want a person to leave tonight that feels alone because you don't have to be alone. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you, Jesus, that you are powerful. Thank you that you know the beginning from the end. I thank you, God, that you knew the ladies who needed to be here tonight. You know those ladies in this house, and even some of the men that are listening to this, that hurt. They're hurt on the inside. They're wounded. They are in in the middle of an interruption, and some of them don't even want to admit to it. Some of them don't want to even acknowledge that it's happening, because if I don't acknowledge it, then I don't have to deal with it. But the truth is, is that the interruption will continue to come until we draw closer to you. So, Father, I ask you give courage and strength to those that are afraid to let go. And, Lord, I ask you give hope and healing to those that have let go. Father, I ask for... um, for many interruptions in this house, interruptions of good, interruptions of of of, um, uh, of grace is a, is a good interruption to have. Lord, put us in situations and circumstances where we get to depend on you 100% and not on ourselves. 
Father, we love you. We honor you. God, I ask a blessing on this house, and I ask, Lord, that you will give rest to the staff. You will give rest to the leadership in this house. To those that hold up Larry and Grace's arms, God, I ask you give strength and tenacity. God, I ask that you will push them forward, God. I ask that these next days will be a refreshing and will be full of hope and joy for them. In Jesus' name, God, I thank you for this flock that you have put together so well, that you have knit together so well. They are called for a purpose on this corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen. It is a light ship to this community that draws wounded hearts. God, I ask for healing in this house. In Jesus' name, and all God's girls said, amen. amen.